One thing I'll never do is slander or disrespect the organization that changed my life. So I won't do that. But what I will speak on is the truth. This is about what happened from the organization, period. Nobody called me, not once. Nobody called my phone. You mean to tell me you can't just pick up the phone? Hey, we're here, just wanted to introduce myself, none of that. Phone, you can't pick up the phone? Not once? For your one of your pillars? For Coach Arians to say what he said about me, he doesn't know me. So the separation between me and Tampa, period, was the respect they showed to me all offseason. It just wasn't there. So, And it was a sign of respect. The respect and how they felt about me. The respect they showed is, is, is bigger than that. It's respect. It shows some respect. And I didn't feel like they showed me the respect I deserved. I earned that respect. For the respect I received after doing that, they showed, no, they showed mm. none. The media slandering me when you let a player of my caliber go. Have been one of the staples in this organization since I've been there. Six Pro Bowls, all pro, four times. Tampa Bay. I'm one of the best players to ever play in the organization. I'm going to say it. Usually I wouldn't, but I'm going to say it. So what? Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today's June 20th, 2019. 80 days to kick off. How about that for some excitement? That was a good one. You know what? This is going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We said we weren't going to be spending... No, actually, we didn't. I said we're going to be talking about the McCoy stuff all year long, but yeah. the vast majority of this episode is going to be about McCoy. So, strap in. Before we get to that, though, we do have a fact check. No follow-ups, just a fact check. The Rams never went undefeated in their third division while Arians was there coaching the Cardinals. I was totally wrong in that one. don't know where I got that mess from. I thought that's what Jeff Fisher did. Like he focused on the division. Well, they went like four and two and then four and two and two and four in the division and back and forth. But they did go undefeated in the division last year. When they went to the Super Bowl. When neither Arians or Jeff Fisher was there. <laughs> so I don't know where I got that mess from. I remember them talking about it that must have been at last the time, year. though. No. Maybe there was a period from one year that carried over to another or something like Maybe. that. But I thought I was totally wrong about that. Isn't it funny how little blurbs like that work? Because you'll remember it. You don't know where you got it from. And then eventually it's just totally irrelevant. Or not Inaccurate. true. Inaccurate. Yes. Right. The decay of knowledge. That's right. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, they probably talked about it on, like, Monday Night Football or something. That sounds like some shit Chris Collinsworth would say, because, you know, he's always talking out of his ass. So. That, along with his company, the Pro Football Focus. That's right. He's always bringing them up. Pro Football Focus oh, says yeah, he's that. trying to drive up his stock price. Do they, I don't even think they have stock. That's probably. A private, I think it's a private company. Right, but they still have stock. Well, he owns a majority interest. Right, so he owns stock. So it's, it's, not, not, it's not public. It's stuff. not publicly oh, gotcha. traded, but it still has a value. Gotcha. I'm a few beers in, so that's my, okay. my brain's not working. That's okay. 100%. What else you got before we get to the good stuff? Okay. I've listened to various podcasts this week. You can tell when I'm in a big project because I just listen to podcasts while I'm doing it. Right. Well, Molly's been swamped at work, so. So it's just one of those. Yeah, just it's just putting headphones in. And yeah, and just banging out. Bruce Arians was on Rick Stroud. He made the rounds from Peter Rapport, uh, Joe Buck's fan, Rick Stroud. I had listened to the other two, but I just got around to Rick Stroud. Little side note, Ralph mentioned this before, but his John Gruden impression is just impeccable. Bruce Arians? Rick Stroud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> trying to I was trying to clear So the listeners would understand. Whoever he has asking him questions, I don't know who it is. Rick Stroud, I mean. On his podcast with him. It's like his co-host. 
I don't think he's a co-host. He's just like the producer, probably. Producer, or the maybe. engineer. Intern. Asked him about John Gruden on Hard Knocks. And you can hear Rick Stroud kind of get real quiet. And it's like he's getting into character. <laughs> and then John Gruden is on the mic. It was just incredible. Hilarious. So well done, Rick. Contributing. <laughs> I tell you, man, it's going to be so much fun to watch this Hard Knocks this year. Gosh, it's going to be like a circus. What a train wreck. <laughs> okay, how soon into the season before they totally implode? Who Who is it? Uh, incognito, he's probably going to end up, I don't know, probably stomping somebody's baby in the locker room. Right. He's going to punch somebody. Yeah, that's... that. We'll see if he makes it through preseason. Right. Because <laughs> hadn't he been out of football for a year? Something like that. And then we got OBJ. No, no. No. Uh, the other one. AB. The other guy. A- oh, yeah. The other diva. He's like worse than OBJ. <laughs> He's like blowing up teams. Gruden are going to be button heads all year long. It's going to be hilarious. Okay. How yeah. soon before Gruden benches Derek Carr? Week five. <laughs> Probably, I don't know when their bye week is, but I'm going to go with right around the bye week. How soon before he benches Antonio Brown? Oh, no, you can't bench Antonio Brown. <laughs> he benched Keyshawn Johnson and then kicked him off the team. <laughs> Maybe I underestimate his arrogance. Highly. I think everybody <laughs> underestimates his arrogance. In any case, off that John Gruden tangent, just a couple blurbs I got from BA are competent, cool, collected head coach. The antithesis of John Gruden. Rick Stroud asked him, what type of team do you want? Like, what are you going to use to describe a team, your team? And he said he wants smart, fast, and physical, which is what we've got. He did mention that a few of the players who aren't necessarily smart. He's trying to... Levante <laughs> David. <laughs> I wasn't trying to name names. He did not name names. Well, I'm, I mean, football smart is a different thing. Yeah. What I'm talking about. Like, I think he's talking football smart. smart. If you if you want to find something really interesting, watch every interview with Vita Vea. He always talks about learning. It's like all he ever talks about. <laughs> he's like, I love Vita Vea. I mean, he's like my favorite guy on the team. But he cracks me up because he'll be like, so uh, what do you think about the Damakong Su being on the team now? And he's like, well, uh, I'm I think gonna, it's good. I'm going to learn a lot. <laughs> They're like, so how was training camp? It's good. Uh, I'm learning a lot. Every time they ask him a question, he talks about he's just learning. <laughs> well, we we actually counted one time, and he gave it was like a ten minute long interview, press conference, and he said one word that was over seven words long or seven letters long. I great. think it was different. Yes, yeah, different. Think that was the word. Different was the word. Oh gosh, we were we were crack, we were laughing so hard that night. We watched a whole bunch of press conferences and we're just going to town on guys. But I love Vita Bay. I mean, he's my favorite. I haven't bought a jersey since Levante David in 2014. It's incredible that you know the year. Do you have them dated? I've got like 20 jerseys. Yeah, I mean, I know all of them have meaning to me. But I'm honestly thinking about getting a Vita Bay jersey. The only offensive player I've got a jersey for is uh, Jervicious. Mike Allstock. Oh, oh yeah. Def- <laughs> Mike Allstock. What am that's I talking like about? That's like a yeah. given. Yeah, that's like... You just assumed everyone has a Mike Allstock. <laughs> yeah. If you're a Buccaneers fan, you've got a Mike Allstock jersey. It like comes with the fan card. And uh, John Lynch and Mike Allstock, those are probably my two favorite jerseys. But I, I'm really thinking about getting a Vita Vea jersey. But although, you know... I'm excited for his potential, and what he did the last half of the year was extremely impressive, but he could fizzle out. You never know. 
You never know. So I might wait a little bit before I get it. And I'm, I've been honestly thinking about getting a, a Jameis Winston jersey, too. I've never had a quarterback jersey. I like Jameis Winston. That's the only jersey of a current player I have. My collection is a lot smaller than yours. Well, you haven't been a fan as long I as know. I have. How many do you have? Four? Yeah, something like that. But I don't really count the ones that are, like, on clearance because <laughs> the player's not there anymore. Or, or that somebody gifted you. Yeah, yeah, which are all of them. I haven't. I don't know that I've bought one for myself. I got, yeah, that's true. That's you true. bought me the Jameis Winston one. Yes. Is that the pink one? Or, no, no, that's the, no. the new jerseys. I don't have a new jersey, the new one. The last one I've got is the, from the last jerseys. I just, I don't, I don't know if I can bring myself to buy one of those new jerseys. I look like an alarm clock. Maybe you just wait another year to that's see what, if I, they come out with a new one. That's, honestly, that's what I'm doing. But, you know, I'll probably get all the old ones on sale. Yeah. That's probably what I'm going to do. Yeah. You can get Josh Freeman's. <laughs> jerseys on sale. I saw them. They've still got them. At the While shop. you're joking, I got a Darrell Revis jersey. <laughs> you did. That's right. And people like to buy me child size clothes because well, you're so small. I'm small, but they don't fit in the shoulders. Don't buy small women child clothes. Children's clothes. Right. The shoulders aren't right. The shoulders. The arms. Something. I don't know. It's just not right. <laughs> what uh? What got us talking about jerseys? And what were we talking about? Oh, remind me to talk about. Tom Bassiter? Yes. In the James Winston article. Okay. Don't let me forget that. I'm going to write it down right now. Hold on. Well, that was a tangent. We were talking about BA on Rick Stroud. That's where we were. Okay. BA was a smart, fast, physical team. We definitely got fast. Physical, I don't know about. The smart part was funny because he's like, some of the guys who aren't smart, we got to figure out how to get them on the same page. So that kind of made me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> What's an art smart? Can we get a list, please? <laughs> well, he kind of mentioned that about the defense, too, in general, that they might have to simplify things for the players. Because <laughs> they have a bunch of dummies. Well, remember with Mike Smith, he got them trying to do all these funky things. and I don't think he did. I think he you don't just... Think so. no. But after... And from what I saw, he just played basic defenses and just called the same defense almost over and over and over. He had like three defenses, all some variation of cover two or cover one. Right, but they could never get three. on the same page. And then once Duffner came in, he made that kind of a priority. Yeah, it was a communication, it seemed like to me, that was the problem. Well, you know, I don't know. I, there was some serious, serious issues with that defense. B.A. said Justin Evans is really smart. He wants to get him on the field. Which, you know, he's been out for the toe and now the heel. Well, we'll see. He's got a lot of making up to do for that Chicago game. Yeah, I think so. Well, here he said, he said, quick, we got a lot of speed. Everybody's fast. Yeah, smart, but, fast, and physical. Smart, I don't know about all that. That's, you know, and, and what smart means? Is it football smart or is it book smart or is it? You know it's football smart. Okay, well. It's B.A. Levante Davis huh. extremely football smart. Yeah. Books, eh. <laughs> But toughness, what was it? Toughness? Physical. Physical. Here's who's physical that I know of. Whitehead, Bitavea, Domicong Sue, Levante David. Stewart. MJ Stewart. Me. Me. Uh, other than that, I wouldn't. I mean, Bo Allen, he's pretty physical. He's not scared of contact. Other than that, I wouldn't. Well, maybe, maybe Golston. Yeah, Golston. He's definitely physical. Other than that, I don't know about the rest of the guys. I wouldn't necessarily call them physical players. I think that was a point he brought up. I didn't write that down, but I seem to recall him saying that it's hard to tell with underwear football to get the pads on. Yeah, and we have so many new guys on the defense. Right. Now, as far as the offenses go, Mike Evans is definitely physical. Jameis Winston's physical. OJ. Jensen's OJ is physical. Brate's physical. Uh, Jensen's physical. Tamar Dodson's physical. 
Ali Marpet, Peyton Barber, definitely. That guy seeks out guys to run over. So, yeah, the offense is actually more physical than the defense is in that aspect. You know, hopefully hopefully that'll change. I think it was just coaching last year. Like I said, the the way the coaches were having those guys tackle and play off the ball, it was just it was just a mess. So it's really hard to say who was physical and who wasn't. So that's an interesting point you bring up because I listened to Pewtercast today with Ren. He was talking about OTAs. He went to OTAs this year, and I guess he had been last year as well. Mm-hmm. So he saw the differences between Cutter and BA. And he said in Cutter's OTAs, it was like they had a list of stuff to get through. And they weren't necessarily doing them to perfection. They were just going through they the motions. They were going through the motions. Right. It's the- and then they checked everything off the list, and then they went home. Yeah. But with BA's OTAs, it's like... You screw something up, you do it till you get it right, and then you do it again. So they will stop the practice to work with one guy until he's doing it to a consistent level. Good, good. That's what I didn't like about Cutter was, you know, he was a clipboard carrier. It was more about the routine and the scheme and... See, this is the kind of crap I like to hear about OTAs, not all this nonsense. Right, right. We need fans like, like out all the there. nonsense we're getting ready to get into here with yeah <laughs> yeah exactly precisely <laughs> the drama but looking at it from like a fan perspective versus like a media personality's perspective there's right. really a disconnect there there really is but what is it we're called now the fringe media fringe media Molly has picked that up that the I just heard it today but I heard it in like three different places yeah they're trying to spread that out to all the podcasts and the websites that are done it by fans. It wasn't always used disparagingly. Not always, but several of the instances Yeah, I like were. it. I'll be fringe media. I like it. I'm fringe. Well, you and I have talked about this personally, but and it goes back to a larger theme I think that's happening in society. We're seeing it with YouTube a lot. The mainstream is going after creators and independent the guys, people. Yeah. The little guys. Because with YouTube and platforms like podcasting now anybody can do it you don't need to be a media personality and now it's got you don't need a publication Mm -hmm. you don't need the tampa bay times or you know any of that you can just go on do your own thing and get yourself out there yeah and a lot of the guys that do that the the fringe media guys do better analysis and better reporting than the professionals i think right we might not have the insider information the access the access but we don't want it shoot me in the face if i ever am worried about access <laughs> i'm trying to go in the locker room hey <laughs> hey can i get a press pass buccaneers oh my god they're, they're gonna ship you one tomorrow <laughs> so that was a little bit of a tangent i had one more thing to say that ba said the secondary, they all have something to work on. He said some of them, when they're in off coverage, have a tendency to lock in the back, look at the backfield and not move their feet. So, you know, we've been hearing all this stuff from OTAs about how great the secondary is doing and all this. And he's saying, eh, they got a couple things to work on. Mm-hmm. So he's saying that they're watching the quarterback and the ball and not moving their feet. Yeah, they look at the backfield, not move their feet. Well, that's got to be better than turning around and watching the receiver the whole play, like we did last year. Go back and watch the film, man. Our guys never turn their head to the ball. Weird coaching. Weird, weird coaching. It's a new era. New era. All right, let's move on to something else. There was an article by Tom Bassinger today in the Tampa Bay Times where he basically just crapped all over Jameis Winston. It was the better just law of headlines. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Yep. It was a question. What was the question? Something about... 
if you expect win do you expect Winston to be better this year or something? With interceptions? Like yeah. Okay, I found it. It's fewer Jameis Winston interceptions in twenty nineteen. Question mark. Don't count on it. Right. And he just goes on and craps all over Jameis Winston and he talks about He uses this adjusted interception rate, which is some kind of voodoo math. Yeah, he even calls to it make it math. yeah, to make it look the interceptions look worse. So they Oh, they call it actual interception total. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, adjusted interceptions. So they add passes, defenders drop, then subtract interceptions that were tipped by the receivers to defenders, as well as interceptions that were late game desperations throw. And then they call it adjusted interception. Right. Well, here's what I got to say about Thomas Bassinger. And he went on to... to Claim that Jameis Winston throws a lot of interceptions. And yeah, it's just he calls get him worse. an interception machine in the first sentence. Right. I talked about this in a podcast, uh, podcast 77, when I was talking about Jameis Winston's franchise records. And I brought up that Jameis Winston has a 3% interception rate. That's a heck of a lot lower than I thought it was. But if Thomas Bassinger thinks that Jameis Winston's interception rate makes him an interception machine, then he all, he has to say that Vinny Tistaverde, Steve DeBerg, Josh McCown, Steve Young, Trent Dilfer, Doug Williams, Steve Spurrier, Brian Greasy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Freeman, and Sean King are all worse than Jameis Winston. That those guys had a worse interception ratio than Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston throws less interceptions than all of those guys. The only guys that he doesn't throw more interceptions than is Byron Leftwich, Brad Johnson, Jeff Garcia, and Mike Glennon. So Thomas Bassinger can kiss my butt because what he's trying to do here is just make Jameis Winston look like crap. Yeah. And he's been, this is going to be a good segue into the McCoy stuff. Him and Rick Stroud have been licking McCoy's boots, not only for the past nine years, but now they're doing it now that he is one of the enemies. And they're trashing Jameis Winston. They're trashing the organization. They're writing these, all these articles about, you know, how the... Uh, Tampa Bay is shady for trying to get money from the BP spill. And they're, you know, they didn't treat Gerald McCoy right. And Jameis Winston's a horrible quarterback because he throws too many interceptions and other things I'm sure that I can't recall right now. But <laughs> you know what? Thomas Bash, you kiss my butt. Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. And here's the thing. Yes, he does throw. He, he brought up that Jameis Winston threw more interceptions than Blake Bortles or some crap like that in the article, you know, just try to show. Yeah, James Winston also had to throw the ball more than just about any quarterback in the league because our defense couldn't keep the other team from scoring. Now, look, we all know James Winston makes some boneheaded decisions. It goes with the territory. It's James Winston. But he also does some great plays. Things have been messed up with this team for a long time. I'm not going to blame James Winston. I think he needs to be more of a leader, blah, blah, blah. But to come just... Stop crapping on the team, Thomas Bassinger. You like Gerald McCoy so much, go to North Carolina. Go go report for the Charlotte Observer or Charlottesville Observer. What is it? Charlotte Observer. Yeah, go report with them guys. You can crap on their team for a while. That's if they stay there. They might not be there for anymore. They're, they're probably going to end up moving. Speaking of which, let's get to the meat of this podcast. It's what you've all been waiting for. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You've been living under a rock. we got some news for you. Gerald McCoy... Did a media interview. He got out of his comfort zone and talked to the media for a change. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's being funny because the guy has never met a microphone he doesn't like. He was on Fox Sports 1's Undisputed June 19th with Shannon Sharp and... Skip Bayless. 
And boy, was it a doozy. Basically confirmed everything I've been saying about the man for nine years, but he talked about the Panthers for a minute and 30 seconds. The interview was a little over 11 minutes long. The rest of the time, he basically cried about the Buccaneers, whined about them. How wrong they did him. How they disrespected him because he was a pillar, because he was the one of the best Buccaneer players that has ever lived and played the field, donned the cape. That's where he lost a lot of people. A lot. Well, his humble bragging has, wor- has it, worked for him for nine years. Is it really humble bragging? <sighs> oh, no. He came out and just, just dropped the whole humble part. Let, let's, let's take a listen to what Jerry McCoy has to say. Uh, organizations have to do what they have to do when you let a player of my caliber go. So I understand that. But as far as giving away my number, um, in the history of the Bucks, they have a ring of honor. Right. And uh, all the greatest players in the organization usually get their numbers retired. Right. And when Sapp left, which Sapp is one of a kind, but uh, John Lynch, Brooksy, mm-hmm. all these guys left. He started it. Rondé Barber. When all these guys left um, and nobody wore the number, they didn't give the number away. And it was a sign of respect. Well, uh, six Pro Bowls, all pro four times, this is Tampa Bay, you know, and and uh, I'm one of the best players to ever play in the organization. I'm going to say it. Usually I wouldn't, but I'm going to say it. So what? There comes a point in time where you have to show some respect, and I didn't feel like they showed me the respect I deserve, that I earned. It's not about – I'm not saying you give me respect for something I didn't earn. I earned that respect. Tampa hasn't been a winning team and we all know it's hard. You know, it's hard to be considered a Pro Bowl, all-pro person on a losing team. Right. And I did it six years straight. That's hard to do. Six Pro Bowls, all-pro four times. All-pro four times. That's four times the media has voted him awesome. That's great for Gerald McCoy, but what did that do for the Buccaneers? They get to say Gerald McCoy went to the Pro Bowl four, six times and was voted four times by the media that he's awesome. The team gets to say that. The team gets to celebrate in McCoy's accomplishments. And they get to give him a lot of money for it, too. What did we pay him? Like $115 million? Something like that. We didn't, we're not going to play the whole clip. It's like 11 minutes. If you want to check it out, go to Fox Sports 1. We highly encourage you to do so. We highly encourage you to watch the clown show. I call it a clown show because when you see what the guy is wearing, I don't know what that is. It looks like a clown outfit to me. It's a little loud. He's trying to make a statement. And the pattern on the jacket. Puffy jacket. What is that? Was that like Gucci or something? I don't know, but I I, I I thought you shouldn't really wear patterns on TV. Hey, Gerald McCoy does what Gerald McCoy wants to do. If he wants to wear patterns in red on TV, he's going to do it. And you better not disrespect him. And you better not disrespect him. Yeah. So anyhow, if you listen to this thing... Now, when they when players go on these shows, they discuss with the interviewers, if you want to call them that, what questions are going to be asked. And Jerry McCoy went on this show knowing what they're going to ask him. Specifically for this purpose. Yes. And like I said, he talked about the Panthers for a minute and a half to start off with. And then for the next 10 minutes, he talked about how the Buccaneers disrespected him. So he went on this show specifically for this. And you could tell that definitely Skip Bayless was totally on board with Gerald McCoy being disrespected. As a matter of fact, Skip Bayless couldn't stop slobbering all over McCoy. He was talking about how great he was in college, and he was a big fan of college and all this stuff. And he actually said at one point, quote, 
It was offensive to him, end quote. It was offensive to Skip Bayless that the Buccaneers went and got an older player to replace Jared McCoy. That offended Skip Bayless. We're both from Oklahoma City. I'm a big University of Oklahoma fan, and you were a star there, and I've always been a big fan of yours. But what got me, they go get a Sue who had a decent year last year, but he's a year and two months older than you. That, that was offensive to me. They went and got an older guy to replace you. How in the world? What in the kind? What do you do? Are these people even in the same reality we are? But who does that? Who says that for one? I'm offended that you got replaced by an older guy. And for two, Sue's like six months older, maybe. I mean, not <laughs> even a year, right? Is he a year older? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, they're like the same age. What difference does it make? Does it make that much of a difference? Apparently it does. The Skip Bayless is old ass. But it just goes to show the age wasn't the problem. To me, the whole interview just highlighted exactly why Jerome McCoy is no longer there. Yes. Yes. Exactly why. I mean, think about it. He talks about he's the best player. One of the greatest. One of the greatest players in Buccaneers history. Are you crapping me? I mean. <laughs> there are so many fans that he lost yeah. just by saying that. Because there's a large contingent of fans who remember... That Bucks defense that won the Super Bowl, who know that they will never be replaced, they will never be replicated, we are never going to see a defense like that again. And then to put yourself, someone who has been in charge of a shitty defense right, for yeah. 10 years. Yes, and you said it, in charge. This guy sat right in front of the microphone every season and said, I'm the leader, I'm putting the team on my back, blah, blah, blah. we got to do better, and it never happened and yet he feels like he's entitled to be put on the same level as Warren Sapp, Work Done, Leroy Selman, all these guys, Derek Brooks. It's insane. I don't know what the guy's smoking. I really don't. To act this way, to talk that way, to think that way. I mean, he's pissy because the team disrespected him, because they didn't call him up, because they didn't. Here's what's happened. Daryl McCoy came in the league. He was celebrated immediately. He was given a starting job immediately. He's never had to fight for his job. Every coach that's come in, we're talking about uh, Greg Schiano, Lovey Smith, Kirk Cutter, since he's been here, has done nothing but kiss his butt. They've all walked in, and they said, oh, Jared McCoy's the best player on this team. We're going to build a team around him, build defense around him. He's a veteran leader, blah, blah, blah. He has never had to encounter any diversity whatsoever in his job. So when he does encounter it, he feels disrespected all of a sudden. Every other player in the league has to encounter this crap all the time. Everybody else has to fight for their job. Everybody else has to get recognition from their coaches by playing well, not just by, hey, I'm Jared McCoy. I'm a third, first-round draft pick. Six-time Pro Bowler. Six-time Pro Bowler. Four-time All-Pro. Bend the knee. Respect me. He said nobody ever called him from the coaching staff. But you know, and me and you both talked about this the day it happened, Jared McCoy was in the building when Bruce Arians came into One Buck Place for the first and time. And, of course, it was a big to-do when mm-hmm. B.A. got there in the lobby at One Buck Place. There's, you know, a huge welcoming party. They bring him in. They got cameras following him around. The Bucks media team, they published photos of B.A. taking the tour through the facility. And who just happens to be there right where the cameras are? Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy. And, of course, there's that footage of him and B.A., you know, shaking hands or I think 
Gerald said something to him, like, let's get to work or some something like that. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like from Gerald's interview that that was really the only interaction that they had had. He said no one from the defensive staff ever called him, not Todd Bowles, not his defensive line coach. He never heard from anybody. It was just radio silence. No, I'm telling you, I think from the day, I think that it was part of Bruce Arians being hired. They said, you have to fire Gerald McCoy. Or Bruce Arians said, I want to fire Gerald McCoy. I want to cut him. I think he wants a new culture in there. And Gerald McCoy, as he says, was a pillar. And that's a pillar of a crappy defense. So if you want to get rid of a crappy defense, get rid of that pillar. I don't understand how this is so difficult. It's not. The media has created... They're intentionally obtuse. They're being intentionally obtuse. They're saying, oh, but he's a six-time pro bowler. And he's all pro four times. And one guy can't change a defense. So you can't hold him responsible for what's happened. He's been phenomenal. It's the rest of the team and the organization. And Gerald McCoy is amazing. And anyone that thinks otherwise is a troll. Or what's the new term? Fringe media. Fringe media. Yes. Well, Gerald McCoy ran out of excuses. He's had excuses his whole career. And the media has been Gerald McCoy's bitch. Oh, yeah. Rick Shroud tweeted today the exact number of each position coach that he has encountered. So... You know, four defensive coordinators, this many defensive line coach, 13 assistants. He had the exact numbers. So why doesn't that count for everybody else on the team? Right. Why isn't that an excuse for everybody else on the team? I remember when it first started, it was Jeremy Corbett was injured. Oh, okay, but that's okay. You know, he's just, it's the way he's tackling. So if he gets his tackling, blah, blah, blah. And then it was, oh, he doesn't have the players around him. And and he's taking all the double teams. Right. That one, that one is just always driven me crazy. Where are they getting that from? You know where they're getting that from? They're getting it from Gerald McCoy. If you go back and look, it was Gerald McCoy that started saying that. And then the media was like, oh, hey, that's a good point. Gerald McCoy, show me where he gets double teamed more than anybody else. I want to see the stats. I want to see the film footage. I want to see where it is that he gets double teamed more than anybody else. He doesn't. He doesn't. But that was one of the excuses. But then last year, all of his excuses were done because we got JPP, we got Carl Nassif, we got Vita Vail. We spent more on our defensive line than anybody else in the league. No longer could Gerald McCoy use the excuse that he didn't have players around him. And what happened? Crap defense. One of the worst we fielded. Because he was a pillar. Take it on yourself, man. You know, he talks about in this interview, he said that who is one? The, he went to Carolina because his, his reason didn't make any sense. But he said, I went to Carolina because New Orleans has won the champ, the division three years in a row. Who leads New Orleans? It's Drew Brees. Drew Brees has a high-powered offense. How do you stop a high-powered offense? You stop it with a high-powered defense. That's why he went to Carolina. I'm like, dude, did you not know that when you were at the Buccaneers? That's how you stopped Drew Brees with a high-powered defense? Aren't you the leader of the defense? You couldn't stop Drew Brees? No, as a matter of fact, you couldn't even sack Drew Brees. You haven't touched him since 2015. So don't go to another team and start crying about you know how they disrespected you. No, they cut you, but you know why? Because you weren't getting the job done. Simple as that. You weren't getting the job done, one, on the field. You weren't getting the job, two, in the locker room. Where, where you were getting the job done was for your own self-promotion, as we see here. 
and the whole interview is that, just self-promotion. He spends so little time talking about the Panthers. He talks about the Bucks insofar as they've done him wrong. Oh, yeah. How they've affected him. And then he talks about being vegan. <laughs> it actually took him, this was surprising to me, it took him 10 minutes and 24 seconds before he brought up the fact that he was a vegan. And thank God Shannon Sharp brought that up. He said... I know. Oh, yeah. Okay, you did it in mini camp. How are you going to do in training camp? Have you done that during the season? Let me know how that works for you. And I'm worried about Donovan Smith. He's on this same diet, apparently. I don't think Donovan's going to make it that long. I hope he does That boy likes food. You can look at him and tell. Give him some cheeseburgers, some ho-hos, whatever he wants. No, no, that's the Rojo diet. That's not going to cut it either. (laughs) I don't care what it takes, man. Get him to follow through with his blocks and play to the whistle. He, he could eat marshmallows for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. I don't care. McCoy goes on and he talks about how Tampa has not been a winning team and it's hard to get to the Pro Bowl or the All-Pro on a losing team. He said, I did it six years straight. That is hard to do. I, I mean, just what? Where? I mean, okay. We don't care about your Pro Bowls, dude. No. What did you do for the Buccaneers? That's, I like. Almost. I, a- I just, I just. It's almost every fan I know thinks the Pro Bowl is crap. They don't watch it. Nobody watches the Pro Bowl. I watch the quarterback competitions and all that stuff. That's the fun stuff. But Pro Bowl, you know, they're out there just goofing off and everything. But getting to the Pro Bowl means nothing. It's a popularity contest. You figure, what is it? A third of the votes are fans. How many fans really know who's a good player? They don't. They don't. How many fans know about Levante David? Outside the Buccaneers, none. Right. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. So he's not ever going to get voted to the Pro Bowl. A third of it is based on the players. Now, there's 1,500 players in the NFL, somewhere around that area. They all don't play against each other. You only play against a handful of players a year. So if you vote for Jerry McCoy as the best defensive tackle and you're a safety for the Denver Broncos, how does that make sense? He doesn't know what a defense, what good defensive tackle is, and he's never played against Daryl McCoy, and he never will. He's a safety. They're, it's, they're joking in, what is it, the other third is coaches? I think so. Now that one's cool. The coaches votes. I'll give them that. They, got, they, they probably know. But then again, they're probably extremely biased. They're going to vote their guys. That's <laughs> and then again, they're not watching tape on players that they're not playing. So unless you're playing Jerry McCoy that year, you're not going to watch tape on Jerry McCoy because, trust me, watching tape takes a long, long time, and you're not going to just start watching tape on guys that you're not going to be playing against just for the hell of it. So the Pro Bowl is a joke. It's a joke. It's a popularity contest. I don't know why we even need to explain this to these people. I don't know. We don't. It's the media we have to explain That's it to. That's what I'm everybody, saying. Everybody listening why? to this podcast knows the Pro Bowl, it's just it's like winning, going to the prom. Everybody out there... The prom queen, you went, yeah, you knew she was going to win it because she was the most popular. But there was a lot of hot, there was a lot more better looking girls in the in the, the school, right? Same thing with the prom king. It's the popularity contest. And that's what the Pro Bowl is. And then the, the worst, that is the all-pro team. That's, that's even worse because nobody gets to vote on that except the media. The media? Come on, man. Who's the media's darling in Come Tampa? On, man. McCoy. He's still their darling He's in Tampa. still their darling. They are still kissing up the hill. Thank God Still we got. Payroll. Thank God we got Greg Allman. I swear to God, he's like the only rational, sane person in this whole group. Insanity, man. 
Do not be cheering for McCoy while he's at the Panthers and then crapping on Jameis Winston in articles, Thomas Bassinger. I tell you what, you want to write an article, write an article about how many games we lost in the fourth quarter when we could have used a stop by Gerald McCoy. Write an article on that. That's what you should be doing. That's what Tampa fans want to hear right now. They don't want to hear how Jameis Winston throws too many damn interceptions. They want to hear about how we did the right thing by releasing Gerald McCoy. But here's the thing. I talk crap about Jeremy McCoy. I have been ever since he got cut. Anybody that's listening to this podcast know I didn't talk crap about him before. I'll point out some stuff, but he was a Buccaneer before. It's just like anybody else on the team. I'm not going to call for anybody to get fired. I'm not going to call for anybody to get demoted or anything of that. Well, maybe Donovan Smith. He could use... <laughs> Donovan could use being a backup for a couple of games or something. I don't know. He needs... Something to make a statement. Something to make a statement with him. Hopefully, he's going to come out and play well. I really think that Warhop was a very bad offensive line coach. I'm hoping that's what the case was. But, you know, Jeremy McCoy is a person. He's probably a great guy. Wonderful guy. He's still got family in Tampa. His family still live in Tampa. He's got five kids. Most of them are in Tampa. All of them, maybe. They're Tampa Bay residents. Oh, they live somewhere around there. I'm not exactly sure where they live, but they live in the area. we got to remember, I mean, we can talk crap about the guy whatsoever. You know, be, be mad at him or be upset about him. Be, you know, he's an enemy and all that. But we got to remember his family's still here. We don't want them to feel the brunt of this. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? That's very but, admirable of you. Yeah, let's not make them hate Tampa. Well, I think it's worth pointing out that what we say is not an indictment on Jeremy McCoy, the person, not at per all. se. It's him as a player. Yeah. And it, that's the problem. Right. I mean, there is the distinction there. So, you, obviously, you don't want to take it too far. But the point we're getting at is Jeremy McCoy as a player is not what he's made out to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As a, as a person... I would probably really enjoy hanging out with Jeremy McCoy. No, you wouldn't. No, I don't think I would either. <laughs> but, but as a person, he's probably a really good guy. And, you know, let's let's make him not hate Tampa and his family not hate Tampa. I mean, we're adding to it here. But it just really bothers me that, one, he's gone to an enemy team. Two, the media is still kissing his butt. Three, the media is still trashing the Buccaneers. And four, something else that probably would piss me off if I could remember it. I know. I've had all these thoughts today, and we get Can't in front remember. of the mic, and they're just gone. Can't remember any of it. Just gone. After we, after we do this and upload it, we'll be like, oh, my gosh, I, all this stuff I wanted to say. Yeah. I, for, I remember it now. Uh, he talked about being in the ring of honor. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, no. I think no. he just nixed that. Well, I didn't think he should have been there in there to begin with. Exactly. But I think he's alienated enough of the fan base with this interview that... I think it's a stretch. Well, at that and going to play for the Panthers. Yeah. Oh, that's a no-no. I'm sorry. That is a no-no. Uh, you can't of- leave and say, I'll always be a buck, and then go sign with a division rival. Right. And say, I'm going to compete with you directly every year. I mean, that's go to the other division. That's what most players do. They go to the other division, the other conference. You know, John Lynch went to Denver. Warren Sapp went to Oakland. You do not go to a division rival. The only time you go to a division rival is when you say, yeah, screw you. I'm in it for me. And that's what Jeremy McCoy did. He said, I'm in it for me. Screw Tampa. But he talked about going into the ring of honor, and it was really funny. He talked about his number. He said, oh, they they retire all the players in the ring of honor, but they retire their numbers. And No, they don't. Look, here's the players in the ring of honor. This is in the Buccaneers' Ring of Honor. We got Tony Dungy, coach, John McKay, coach, John Gruden, coach. 
Then we got Leroy Selman, retired number, 63. Jimmy Giles, Paul Gruber, Warren Sapp, retired number, 99. Derek Brooks, retired number, 55. Mike Allstott, Doug Williams, and John Lynch. Again, he's lumping himself in with the elite defensive players we've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane to me. So the only ones we've retired are Selmans, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks. Right. So we've got players that are in the ring of honor whose numbers are not retired. I mean, Dayon Buchanan's taken number 20 this year. No, I don't it, like that. Ronnie Barber's number. Yeah, it's not retired. Simeon Rice, the year after he retired, uh, Jimmy Wilkerson took his number. That's Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice did a hell of a lot more for this team than Gerald McCoy did. But here's the thing with the Ring of Honor. And this is why I don't think Gerald McCoy should get in. And to me, this is the biggest factor. Everybody in the Ring of Honor, Tony Jundy, Tony Dungy, John McKay, John Gruden, Leroy Selman, Jimmy Giles, Paul Gruber, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Mike Allstott, Doug Williams, John Lynch, all went to the playoffs with the Buccaneers. There's not a single person in the Ring of Honor that did not go to the playoffs with the Buccaneers. I don't think you could put Jeremy McCoy in there. Pe- I don't think so either. People say Pro Bowls don't do anything for the Buccaneers. Right. Yes. Uh, to me, I'm like, that's insanity to say that he went to six Pro Bowls. He needs to go in the ring of honor. And I'm not even He's that impressed. He's got a impressed. ring of honor at house he could put himself in. I'm not even that impressed with his sack numbers. You've been in the league for nine years. Of course, you should have 54 and a half sacks. And he plays 80 to 90% of the snaps. I mean, it's not like he's. You know, go every time he goes out there, he's getting a sack. I mean, he's getting a sack every hundred and some snaps. I'm glad you brought up the point about the number because that seemed to be his biggest gripe, which I think Jenna Lane felt a little vindicated at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was hilarious to me. But I only heard this when we listened to it a second time. But he kind of implied that Sue made it a thing to get the number. Yes, I heard that too. Well, you pointed it out. And yeah, it, the we, second we time. To it. Yeah. I, want you, I want you to add the clip. Them giving the number away, that's their prerogative. But the respect they showed, especially, it'd be different if it was a, uh, a guy who came in, he signed four or five years. This is a one-year deal. And you said because he caused a problem or he really asked for the number, we gave it to him. I mean, it, it may seem like it's just a number, but it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's respect. And that was a big part of the, the separation between me and Tampa, period, was the respect they showed to me all offseason. It just wasn't there. So Okay. Right here. So said, people can hear. He really threw it in on the slide. Yeah, he was like causing trouble. Yeah, I don't know if he caused a problem to get the number or mm-hmm. he asked for it. Yeah, he just threw it in real it, quick. Real quick. So I don't. I want to watch that and see if that becomes a piece of the narrative. Let's make Sue it one. Through a fit. Oh, through, Sue ain't, the only thing Sue is throwing is offensive linemen. <laughs> Sue ain't throwing a fit. That's Gerald McCoy's realm right there. He ain't stomping his feet. He mentioned that the coaches were calling other people, but they didn't call him. So he knew that they were calling everybody else. Mm hmm. Hey, that reminds me, uh, Joe Bucks fan had an article the other day, which I didn't hear this in the Fox Sports 1 interview, but they said it was in there, I think, that McCoy and James Winston have been talking on the phone, like almost daily or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, like that. No. Uh-uh. That's a really good way to poison James Winston. Yeah. Well, what McCoy said in the interview, he said, I am. it's time for James Winston to mature and grow up. I, he said about himself, he said, I think I laid a big enough foundation for him now. 
He just makes everything about him. Yeah. We've droned on about this for a while. I have two more points to make, and then we can wrap it up. Well, you know, this is going to be going on all year. I hate to say it. I know if you're a McCoy fan or if you're just sick and tired of hearing McCoy, the McCoy and Sue battle is going to be going on all year. It's going to be in the national media for, you know, whatever. The Buccaneers can get national media attention. But McCoy can't seem to keep the Buccaneers' name out of his mouth. He's salty. He... He sought this interview out. Yep. He sought these questions out. He sought the questions out. He wanted to get his side of the story out there. Right. Which we got to remember, this is his side of the story. It's only half. Which I think is funny because you could tell all offseason he was just itching to get out there and be able to say something. It was killing him (laughs) to be off of social media. Oh, my gosh. And to get radio silence from the organization. This is going to be so great, man. Week two is going to be... One of the most awesome games the Buccaneers have had in the past decade, easily. Hell, maybe the past 15 years. I think B.A. is playing his mental games with McCoy. I think he has been the entire time. Mm -hmm. And this is just an extension of this. He's not going to acknowledge it. He's not going to talk about it. He's not going to say anything about it. Shannon Sharp led McCoy into saying, he said, you know, well, McCoy said this. B.A. Bruce Arians doesn't know me. He said this a few minutes before Shannon Sharp said, now, Jason Light knows you, but B.A. doesn't. So do you think it's, who do you think it is? Like, mm-hmm. where did this come from? Yes. So McCoy's implying that it's B.A., I thought. That's what I got out of it. You could just as easily get, he's blaming Light. Mm-hmm. Or Light's even more responsible because he knows McCoy. Could go either way, but I think that he's trying to pin it on B.A. just because of Shannon Sharp's questioning. Interesting. Man, I can't wait to see what B.A.'s got lined up for all this mess. Oh, yeah. He is just, I think he's just going to pancake McCoy. <laughs> like, he he got under his skin clearly. Yeah. Well, McCoy's only going to be playing probably third downs with Carolina. He'll be in spotty. Like I said, he's only going to get probably less than 50% of the snaps easily. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking somewhere around 35-40% of the snaps. Defensive snaps. And he's going to be in a third downs passing situations. B.A. is going to have these offensive linemen keying in on Jeremy McCoy to just pancake him. You know how to beat him. Yeah, He's too easy to beat. Yeah. When you know how to beat him, it's real easy to beat him. And they're, they're just going to... Well, we know Ali Marpet can whoop McCoy's butt. We heard that for years in training camp. That Ali Marpet was just throwing McCoy all around. And then this Wardford... He's an unknown. We know Jensen can probably do it too. Jensen's a tough guy. McCoy's not a tough guy. Jensen will probably kick him a couple times in the chin strap or something. I don't think he's going to get to Winston at all. But I think that BA is going to have some stuff in place to mess with Gerald McCoy. Yeah, I think so too. But I also wouldn't put it past Riverboat Ron to try something with McCoy. Something special. Yeah. That's going to be a good battle of the minds between Riverboat Ron and... Oh, B.A.'s got him all day. He does. He really does. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think the only coach in our division that's even close to B.A.'s level of psychological warfare or sportsmanship is... Blue Blue Steel, Sean Payton. Idiot Sean Payton. (laughs) Fucking jerk off. I heard he divorced his wife and then went down to the Bahamas and was like partying and hanging out with young girls and stuff. Was this recently? No, I think a couple years ago. It was just a, it was probably just a comment. Well, you're the one that loves to point out how stupid Drew Brees is 
for buying that, what, $15 million jewelry <laughs> set? Two pieces of jewelry he spent $15 million on because the jeweler told him they would appreciate in value. Now, jewelry who, who never thinks? appreciates in value. Oh, my god! I mean, you can spend like $3,000 on a diamond ring. You're never going to resell it. You might mm-hmm. be able to pawn it for like $150. Right. Yeah, jewelry is not an investment. I don't buy real jewelry because I'm like, I'm going to lose it for one. And for two, I would never get my money back on and that. I don't buy you real jewelry because one, I'm cheap. <laughs> and two, I know you'll lose you know it. You lose it. So, yeah, so Drew Brees spends, how much was it? $15 million? $15 million. $15 million. And then sues the jeweler. Because they weren't worth 50 or because they didn't appreciate a value or something i think because he couldn't get insurance on them or something like you have to get it appraised to get insurance on it and i think they didn't appraise for as much as scammed yeah one and two he bought 15 million dollars worth of jewelry right god what an idiot (laughs) i'm serious what an idiot if he didn't have football he'd probably be um i don't know don't offend anybody here I was getting ready to say like a street sweeper, but I did street sweeping and I actually quit the job because President Clinton got on TV and he said, everybody from the president to the lowly street sweepers. And I loved that job. It was a great job. Great guys I was working with. It was great. And it just hit me. I was like, wow. I mean, this was in my early 20s. I was like, whoa. I'm looked down upon in society. I'm like the bottom of the. So yeah. He didn't even say garbage man. No, he said street sweepers. Yeah, I was a street sweeper. What? So, yes, that's why I'm the sitting here. The lowly street sweeper. The lowly He had to put lowly in there. Maybe if he hadn't said lowly, it would have been. Yeah, of course, he put himself bit. up top. He was like, from the president, which was him, to the lowly. I mean, just I was, I'm was, i like down at the bottom, staring way up at Clinton. I was going to say, never mind. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Hillary must have been getting it from a street sweeper. <laughs> I was boning Hillary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or Monica, whoever. I don't know. Uh, what a mess that was. Anyhow, yeah, so, yeah, if it wasn't for football, Drew Brees would probably, I don't know, selling ties. I don't know. you got to operate a cash register. Okay, what's a job that doesn't <laughs> require a whole lot of intelligence? I don't want to say. I don't know. Podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. yeah, he would be a. If Drew Brees wasn't for football, it would he'd be a podcaster. Well, after football, they'll probably put him in broadcasting. So we're the fringe media. He would just have to get in front of a camera and put three sentences together. Yeah. Hey, if Terry Bradshaw can do it drunk, this is true. Drew Brees can do it. You don't have to be good at it. No, there's very few of them that are good at yeah. it. Yeah, very few. Well, I, don't, I don't watch most of the crap. I don't know. It's fun watching Chris Collinsworth. Like, he irritates the crap out of me, but he has so many sexual innuendos. We have been thinking about doing this, and Molly brought this up, doing a video. Of it's a clip of all the times Chris Collinsworth says something homoerotic. We will get to laughing so hard during a game with him because he would just be like... Give Those us guys are really piling it on there. Yeah. He sure is getting handsy. <laughs> They just got pounded. Yeah, he loves to say pounded. Oh, he got pounded by that guy. <laughs> 47 was pounding him. And we would just laugh. Oh, Chris. It's a love-hate relationship it is. with him. It is. Tony Romo is the crap, though. All right, uh, guys, we really want to thank you all for sharing uh, our podcast with everybody. But if you if you get a chance, again, we're going to ask you to go ahead and hit that share button in your app or wherever you're listening. And I don't know, throw us out there somewhere. It's kind of like fishing. 
make us chum. See if we can catch some great whites or something. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just get the word out. It's hard to compete with the uh, some of the more established guys. And it's not like we're really competing with them. We just we think we give a different perspective. We say things. We're not scared to say things because we don't have to worry about access. But then again, we also don't get the scoops either. <laughs> so we're actually more like analysis and opinion. Commentary. We're entertainment. Yeah. So anyhow, if you get a chance, throw us out there. Hit that share button. Put us on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. You don't even have to say anything. Just throw our link out there. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. You can reach us by email at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. That's for Molly, not me. I can forward it to Ralph (laughs) because I have his email as well. So if you have a question for him, it can come to me. Or directly. That reminds me. uh, If you haven't. If you sent an email in the past couple of days, let me know because past couple of days we've had some trouble with our email accounts. We haven't been getting anything. Things have been bouncing back apparently. So if you if you have been emailing us the past few days, uh, resend it or let me know that you sent one. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry about that. You can send one to Ralph at Ralph at BuccaneersObserver.com. We're on Facebook. I don't know the link. I think it. I don't know. Just search for us. Yeah. Buccaneers Observer. Looking for it. Also on YouTube. Yes, we'll we're gonna be, be having some more content on there. Yeah, we got we got a lot of stuff lined up. But, you know, we say this all the time. We say we're going to do stuff, and then, eh, it happens. It doesn't I know. Happen, but we're really excited about getting YouTube going. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to see our pretty faces is what we plan on doing. But uh, Facebook, we really plan on doing a lot with as well. Although, I'm not a fan of Facebook. Molly is. Molly's on Facebook all the time. Me, I check it once a month, maybe. So it's me on Facebook. Yeah, that's Molly's domain. Which she does most of the Twitter stuff too. So all We're, those witty comments. That's me. So speaking of Twitter, I'm we the do, funny one. We do. <laughs> I'm the jerk. She's the funny one. That's what I got out of that. You know what? No one can do a jerk. You called yourself a jerk. That, that, that's a what is it? I'm being sensitive. No, what is it? I'm being self conscious. Yes, I don't even know the word. <laughs> I am neither sensitive nor self conscious. So if it's funny on Twitter, it's probably from me. No, that's a lie. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't even try to be funny. You're the one that tries to be funny all the time. I'm I like, do. Yeah. And then sometimes I worry it just goes over people or, you know, it's not. You were getting ready to say go over their heads? Not go over their heads, but you it totally misses. Oh, yeah. It just, it's hard to make things understandable in But, you know, I will gifs. crush GIFs. it with a GIF. That's like my superpower. We're going to put you in the charge of GIF. GIFs. You're CEO of GIFing. Okay. I got you. <laughs> do I get a bonus? We need to be, we've talked about this. We need to be more active on Twitter and all that good stuff. Because we really enjoy doing this. But, you know, life gets in the way. It's not an excuse. But Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, podcast, the website. There's so much that we end up doing nothing. (laughs) We do have lives, kind of. Eh, Kids eh, and jobs. eh, eh, eh. House, cars, family. Let's get rid of four of those. Okay. And then it's like Buccaneers all the time. <laughs> Substitute. Get rid of family and substitute Buccaneers. All right. They'll be our new family. All right. Did you get did you get everything done? Okay. Twitter, Facebook, email, oh, the website, BuccaneersObserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using so you don't miss an episode. All right, guys. Till next time. Go Bucks. You said that so lacklusterly. Let's do it again. More... More oomph. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Go Bucks. <laughs> okay. Together. Okay. For Ready? real this time. One, two, three. Go, Go Bucks! Bucks! No.